and that's just that's just a lot. And it was it was good. We had uh, some people who uh, didn't have a place to go. A few of them, and they they joined in with us, and it was good. Um, I love I love Thanksgiving. I love I love the meal. I mean, I actually like to cook. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, I was talking to Shannon, and I did the entire Thanksgiving meal myself, cooked the whole thing, and uh, I love I love to cook it. I love to eat it. I am making a soup right now. To you know, as we're speaking, it's probably simmering still. Um, I love the food, but I love getting together with people, loving people, um, spending time, and slowing down to, to give thanks. I hope you all gave thanks for, for the day. I think it's really interesting. I was going to show some other videos. I think it's very ironic that we spend this day of thanksgiving, giving thanks for all the blessings we have. And I love it. helps us realize, you know, our shoes are a gift. They're a blessing. Well, we, we don't usually wake up like this family did. Obviously, we also don't wake up wrapped in wrapping paper. Maybe we should because we would start to realize that waking up is a gift. Um, we, we lived in a country in, in Guatemala that we didn't know if we'd have power from day to day. And actually, every night, the power went out when we first moved there to Guatemala. Every night, the power went out. And when the power went out, the water pump stopped working. So between about 10 o'clock at night and 6 in the morning, you had no power and you had no water. And that was just the way it was most nights. Um, a lot, and that was in a developing nation, let alone uh, like we're going to be hearing from uh, Bishop Abel next week from Kenya and some of their struggles. Electricity, believe me, is, is a gift um, of God, and I'm thankful for it. It's amazing that we can wake up and be so thankful on that day, go to bed, and less than 12 hours after going to bed, being thankful, rush to the store, push people out of our way to buy stuff that we absolutely need. Isn't it ironic that that Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving? I don't think that it's a quinkadink because Thanksgiving is such an important part, not a day, it's a, such an important part of our lives. And I don't think the enemy wants us to spend any more time in Thanksgiving than, than one day. He wants us to go immediately from Thanksgiving to I don't have enough. I need more. I want more. Um, and so, so th this morning, that's what we want to talk about is the power of thanksgiving and the attitude of thanksgiving that we want to have and, and, you know, and begin to try to push against that, uh, that, that really the greed that comes into our life. It, it, it comes in and the enemy absolutely knows how to push our buttons and get into that. I believe it was Charles, Dix, uh, Charles Dickens who said that we have a mixed up idea in the United States of Thanksgiving. We have one day of Thanksgiving. And he, and he said that instead of one day of Thanksgiving, we should have 364 days of Thanksgiving and one day where we're just grumpy and greedy. Just kind of switch it. And I think that would be a wonderful idea. Um, because we need to cultivate that idea of thanksgiving. The enemy does not want us to do that. Um, we shouldn't wait for a special ho a holiday at all to suppress, express our gratitude to God. But it, it becomes difficult because we live in a society 
where everything around us is crying out that we need more. It should be part of our daily lives, Thanksgiving should be. I want to read a scripture, Romans 1, uh, 18. And, and this is kind of an, an odd scripture in, in, in the moment, but I think you'll see wh- where it's going in just a second. I think Thanksgiving is a vital characteristic of any child of God. I believe, and we're not going to get into this point very much today, but I believe that our prayer life is affected drastically by our lack of thanksgiving or by our thanksgiving. And we're going to hear, uh, I think we're going to be hearing a little bit more about prayer next week from Bishop Abel um, because it's so important. And that's the end of Ephesians is talking about prayer. Let me read from you, for you from Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Again, uh, this sounds, this sounds a little interesting, but you've got you to catch this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. (laughs) Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they those that don't know him, yet they're even without an excuse. Because all they, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals and creeping things. Just two more verses. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What it's saying here is, is that all these people, countless people who once knew God, who had a relationship with Christ, will, will be lost, largely in part. Did you catch it? Because of a lack of thanksgiving. That was, that was this whole thing sets it up, and right in the middle it talks about they were ungrateful, without thanks. We're going to see today what the Bible says about the importance of thanksgiving in the Christian life. And, and try to learn how we can cultivate a mindset and a lifestyle uh, of thanksgiving, an attitude of gratitude, right? That's we want to have an attitude of gratitude. Um, as we read in, in Romans chapter 1, when we don't glorify God and give thanks to Him, um, it can actually cause our hearts to be darkened. It can cause our hearts to be darkened. I don't know about you, and I, I say this openly, publicly, all the time. If you're here this morning and you're kind of you're seeking God and, and you don't know if he exists or not, um, if, if you're actually an atheist, you're probably not here this morning. Why would you come if you truly do not believe in God? If you're here, you're, you're, you're visiting, you might be an agnostic, kind of going, hey, what about this? I, I really don't understand atheists, people who say there is no God. Uh, I, I think that's absurd. Um, how can you look at creation as, as infinite, as amazing, as intricate as it is and not believe that there is a creator? Um, if you really talk to scientists, 
and start pressing them, there's a whole bunch of statements they can't come up with. They can't even really tell you how the universe ever came to be. They come up with these crazy theories. Um, but this, this amazing universe is just totally glorious. How can anyone say there's no God? Um, I, I, how many times have you, have I, uh, you know, and we live in a beautiful place, been walking on the bike path or Stanfield Cutoff seems like those are great places to see the sunset and just the magnificence uh, of the beauty. Um, I even saw this, this cool picture, which is just amazing. It's a lake in Michigan that um, is the clearest uh, frozen lake in the world. And it shows this picture of a guy, and he's standing about five feet above the, above the bottom of the, the lake. And you can see, you can't even see water. It's so clear. It looks like he's hovering and he's standing on, on ice, thick enough to hold his weight at five feet. That's just glorious. Yeah, you've seen that, huh? It's, it's amazing. God created all of this amazing universe and put this planet, which if anything goes out of whack with this planet, you know, we're not going to exist anymore. And I just, I, get, I just stop so often. And, and, and just thank, just, God, thank you. Thank you for this present. Thank you for your beauty. And it's a, it's a good practice to get into when you see something wonderful. You know what I love is we've, we've got little Declan over here. And, and who does not agree that, hey, baby, look at another one right there. Hi. <laughs> who, who, who doesn't say that, that birth is a miracle? Right? I mean, the, the idea of a baby being born, I mean, it's crazy. And people say it's a miracle. A miracle that happens how many millions of times a year? Right? I mean, this miracle happens all the time, and yet we still go, isn't that a miracle? Um, he expresses himself in nature, in his love towards us, in so many breathtaking ways. What, uh, we take them for granted. We take a new day for granted. I appreciate Elise who showed me that video that we just watched. She came across it and, um, you know, people always do that. So I, I find my best stuff from people who say, you got to watch this, you got to watch that. And it's, it's really amazing. Uh, it helps us to remember, yes, getting up, having a home, a car um, is a gift from God. I don't know if you guys remember, some of you might remember my old truck. Uh, my orange, some people called it my sunrise truck, orange and yellow with black and all that things in it. And the thing I had 265,000 miles. It was falling apart. It barely ran. I didn't like to drive it down the hill. And yet I was so thankful that I had a truck. I mean, there's something about it. I said, wow, because we, we were, uh, at one point, we were a no-car family. When we lived in Guatemala, we didn't have a car at all. And then we had a one car for a long, long time. So when I was able to have my truck that I could haul things in, I just loved it. Except all the time when I, people started asking me to move them. <laughs> then I said, I should get a different car. <laughs> Go meet Psalm uh, 19. Listen to this. You got a highlighter to so go into highlight and remember. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. But verse 3 says, There is no, no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. 
in them he has set a tabernacle for the son. I love to hear David's voice. I love to hear that part where, where he just says, you know, um, the heavens declare the glory of God. And it says, day unto day they utter speech and they reveal knowledge. That's, that's the universe speaking to us. God is saying, I exist. I've done this for you. And I can't wait to get to heaven because I got, I've I got a lot of questions for God. Um, and some of them are silly, but I, I, I mean, the universe is, is massive if, if, if it is. I mean, you know, how, how do they even measure that in millions of light years? I don't even understand that. But God created all this for us so that, that we could see his handiwork and his glory. Um, there's been some, some nights that uh, we go out to watch um, maybe the, the meteor showers or the solar eclipses. And we just, you just sit there and, you know, you know the, the lunar eclipses are cold, but you sit out there in the cold and you're just amazed at, at some of the things happening in the sky. Most people, though, it's sad they don't take the time to look at what God has done. Um, sadly, a lot of people live off the mountain where they can't see the stars. I think we are blessed in that. We just, we get to see them every night. Imagine if the stars only came out once a year. Just try to think about that for a second. If the stars only came out once a year, would you miss it? I'd be like, wait, I, I'm not making any plans tonight. I've got to look at the stars. We know that that's true because if you live up in the, in the Yukon, uh, up in the northern, northern, northern part, the sun only comes out like a tiny bit during, during half of the year. Pastor Jeff years ago was up there, and, and it was, it was t during the time of the year where the sun just kind of moved along the horizon the whole day, just right at the horizon, uh, which was pretty And he said it, and there was mountain peaks. And so most of the day, the sun actually was behind a mountain. And he said it was really funny because there was this valley in the mountain, and the sun, at a certain time, peaked out for just about three or four minutes while it passed from mountain to mountain. Everyone in the town stopped what they were doing and faced the sun. It kind of popped out and they just went, I think I would too. Isn't it awesome? If that happened, we would be uh, more thankful. We'd, be more, uh, we'd think more about how amazing God is. We'd ooh and ah a lot more. Listen, Psalm, uh, Psalm 8 says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a lower, little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You know, God wants us to always be looking at creation and nature and people and seeing his handiwork and his glory in them. I wonder if, if the original intent, one of the original intents of the Sabbath was that we would slow down long enough to appreciate what God has done. We, we are a busy, busy, busy people and we are running from thing to thing and that takes, uh, it, it really is difficult for us to give Him thanks when we are so busy. We need to learn how to, to stop and, and smell the roses. For me, nature... I see God, I see his beauty. I think my kids think I'm weird sometimes. I'll just, I just, just stop. I just like to look at a tree sometimes. I just, I love nature. We're supposed to give thanks for that. There's something else 
though that isn't always as easy for us to do. Uh, I think a lot of us can give thanks in nature, but there's another part that I want to talk about a few things this morning that I think it's difficult to give thanks in. Paul says um, in the Philippians chapter 4, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Uh, Paul had an attitude of constant thanksgiving through Jesus. And he learned to be content whether he had a lot or he didn't have much at all. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Um, I do that a lot, as you know. But how many of us are really content with our station of life? I mean, it's, it's not, you know, not always. It's difficult. Um, in fact, I believe, I, I, I figured out why we are so dis- discontent. It's not your fault. We, I think it's been tracked down. It's the Joneses' fault. We're not content because of those Joneses. Because we always have to keep up with them, don't we? And we see people around us, and they have more than what we have. Or at least we think they have more than what we have. Sometimes they have more materially, but they don't always have the same relationships and things. But, but there's always a struggle in this nation among all the nations. Um, it's, it's really, really bad. And there, I saw like five different videos last night, and I was trying to pick which one to show about people lining up to get into Walmart and... And, and on Good Friday, and, and it, it was just, I mean, it was, it was sad. I mean, it's just amazing, uh, the lengths of, uh, of what people will do. And, and I know that for some, it probably actually is just kind of an adventure. Like, let's just go experience it. Let's go get, you know, it might not be that they're, they're, they're really greedy or whatever, but um, just the massive amounts of people. There was one video I saw where they actually, the store had barricades and a whole bunch of guards just to try to let people in slowly and not overcrowd the store. And within about 30 or 40 seconds of them starting to let a few people in, they started hopping the barricades and pushing the police down to run into the store. I I just was, was shocked. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. I believe uh, it was Rockefeller who, when asked... Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? How much is enough? He he had a lot. And his answer was wonderful. He said this, just a little bit more. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. How many of you, when you got, you needed a raise, wanted a raise, whether you needed it or not, you wanted a raise, you got the raise, went, you know what, I'm good now, I don't ever want to raise again. It's not long after you get that raise that pretty soon you're going, I want another raise. Because all of a sudden, now you're like able to, to maybe upgrade your TV or, or upgrade your car. And, but then you do that and you're like, oh, it would be really nice. It would be really nice if we could add on that, that deck on the house. It'd be really nice to buy some more clothes. You know, I haven't had a proper dress in so many years. I'd like a new dress. Whatever we have, what do we need? Just a little bit more. And the thing is, is no matter what station of life financially you're in, 
That's the, that's the thing. Now, people with not a lot of money, they, they're not dreaming typically of having a mansion. They just want a little bit more. Just maybe, you know, can we get a two-bedroom house instead of a one-bedroom? You know, can we, can, we get a, can we get a 10-year-old car instead of a 20-year-old car? That's, that's kind of the car thing. That's, that's us. You know, we, we, we t- typically drive 10 years old is a new car for us. And anywhere between 10 and 20, when it starts hitting towards 20, uh, for us, we're like, well, man, we better do something with this. It's falling apart. <sighs> Keeping up with the, the Joneses. Here's, here's the thing. And, and again, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm a party pooper. I'm the downer. Uh, just, I, I just ask, you know, forgive me when I am. Um, because everyone will be happy or something, and then I'll bring up something about the starving kids in Africa or something, you know. I'm like, you know, how can we complain about what we have when, when kids in other countries have no shoes, they have no water, they, they didn't eat yesterday, you know. And now this one gets me because, like, I, I don't like to diet. I've been working on it. I've been losing some weight. I'm going to keep doing it. I hate dieting, hate eating healthy. Um, I'll, I'll act like it's the end of the world when I have to eat healthy for a long amount of time. I'm a baby. Shannon's laughing because it's just really true. You know, and I'm like, it's just life is horrible. <coughs> life is horrible with my three meals that are full of nutrients and healthy. It's, it's, it's so, so sometimes I get into this thing, but we, we realize that other people have so much less. It's about learning about being content and giving thanks no matter what. See, having money is, an, is not a sin. Whenever you see in the Bible what talks about money, if you read it closely enough, it's never wrong to have sin. It's the danger of what happens um, when you have money. Greed sets in. And discontentment sets in. And the, the idea of, of uh, not sharing because sometimes you begin to feel like you need to hoard it. So having money is not a sin. And being, uh, being poor is not a sin. It's just a station in life. And what we want to learn to do is no matter what station we are is to give thanks and be content and look to God to say, God, what would you have me do with what, what, what I have? What would you have me do with what I have? It's difficult to be content. I saw a shirt. I don't know if this fits or not. Um, I told Sam about it this morning. It was ironic, and that's what the, the, the picture of it was. You know, we give a lot of our clothes to foreign countries. When we, we give, like, you know, they just get used clothes, and they ship them down. We used to get them from Guatemala. We loved that day when um, we could go to the, you know, get clothes from those places um, because American clothes fit us better than Guatemalan clothes. I mean, they're really short. Finding things that fit us was hard. But you get used clothes, and I saw a picture of a kid who must have been wearing an American shirt. It was Cookie Monster. Mouth open, right? We all know Cookie Monster. What is one of the things that Cookie Monster always says? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. <laughs> it was being worn by a skinny African kid who you could tell was in Africa. I mean, it just looked like it. Just a Savannah type of thing behind him. And I went, he's wearing the shirt that we laugh about. And, you know, we want cookies. Give me more cookies. But he's wearing a shirt with a creature saying, I'm hungry. And he is hungry. Perspective. See, these are, these are points of just, do we have perspective on our life? We lose perspective very easily. Amen? You know, 
if, if we woke up and our shoes were wrapped, we'd stop. We'd think it was a funny joke. But they'd say, you know what? Perspective. I have shoes. I have shoes today. In fact, most of us in this room don't have a pair of shoes. We have multiple pairs of shoes. Not just, not just the women. I mean, I've, I've got a ton of shoes. I've got dressier shoes and tennier shoes, and I've got some hiking shoes, and, and uh, you know, I've got some, some, like, reef walker type of shoes. I've got shoes. Am I thankful? Perspective. We don't want to allow Satan to lure us into that trap of, of wanting more. And, and I'm not talking about having a, a dream of working hard. You know, as young people, you want to work hard and you want to own a home. I, but the trap of always trying to get more, being lured into it. We want, to, we want to be content and be wise stewards as we keep growing in that. Scriptures say, keep yourselves free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Keep your lives free from the love of money. People say that the uh, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We're not supposed to love money. We're supposed to love people. We're supposed to love God. And, and money is a tool. And I love, I love to see people who God has blessed with resources use them for the kingdom of God. There's, they're just beautiful when people give to those who need it. Um, you know, I, I, I said it, but I, I read this, and I just, I like this little quote. It said, this is just, greed is never satisfied. Greed is never satisfied. Once you have, you just want a little bit more. Amen? Paul, Paul warned Timothy with these, these words. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Greed, greed really can kill people. It, it kills relationships. But gratitude lifts up and builds. I, I told you I had a number of scriptures. Deuteronomy, I want to go towards Deuteronomy chapter 8. Starting in verse 10. When you have eaten and you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's another thing for praying after we eat. When you've eaten and you're full, then you shall bless God. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes with which I command you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, that and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers didn't even know about, uh, that he might humble you and that God might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Here's verse 18. Did Jesse hit on this? And, um, and, the, and this is the scripture. And you shall remember the Lord your God 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. It's the Lord that gives you the power to earn the wealth. Our strength comes from him. Though you work hard for your job, he gave you the strength. Paul says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. We want to make that a prayer request. God, help me to be content. Help me to be thankful for the things that I have. Um, and not just our material possessions. I think, I think we've, we've hit that a lot. Though, though there's a, a great story. There was this, this man and uh, he went, went to his pastor. He says, hey pastor, you know, I've been working in, my, in this business and I was just wondering if you'd pray with me and agree with me that God would multiply my business. And, and so they prayed and the guy kept working really hard and he went from an income of about $50,000 a year up to close to a million dollars. I mean, his just business flourished. I can't even fathom that kind of money. Well, sometime later, this guy went back to the pastor. He says, Pastor, he said, you know, I've been here a long time. You know, I've been faithful. He says, I've always tithed. My whole life, I've always tithed. And when, when I used to make $50,000 a year, I was able to tithe on that. You know, I would write my $400 checks a month, and it was easy. He says, he says I'm making like $80,000 a month. He says, writing an $8,000 check every month is, is really difficult. That's a lot of money to give. Will you pray for me? And so the pastor took his hand and says, absolutely. Dear God, I pray that you would shrink his income until it's easy to give again. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, as, as, we, as we get, we just always want to be content and thankful for whatever God has given us and give back to Him. We're thankful for the cre uh, creation. We're thankful for our finances. But we also want to make sure that we are thankful for the people in our lives. It's real easy to take people for granted as well. First Thessalonians says, be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. We need to learn how to be thankful and keep things in perspective. There's this one lady who wrote, she was in college, and she wrote this letter to her mom. You know, mom and dad paid for college, and she was supposed to be there at college. She says, dear mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm really has been broken. I broke it and my left leg when I jumped from the second floor of my dorm the night of the fire. We were all lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze, and he called the fire department. They were there in a matter of minutes. I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dorm livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice to me. I'm excited to tell you we're, you're going to be a grandmother because I'm pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are fine at home. I'm doing well here and will write more when I get the chance. Love, your daughter, Wendy. P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I failed chemistry. <laughs> I just wanted you to receive this news in its proper perspective. <laughs> Right? Parents would be like, oh, thank God, she only got an F. <sighs> How 
how do you see your situation? We want proper perspective. We want God's eyes in it. Joseph needed proper perspective when he was sold into slavery. I mean, how, how do you have that? He needed it, he got it, and he was able to serve God wherever he was at. And his relief, his answer didn't come for years until finally God lifted him up to a position where he saved his family. We always need to be praying, God, give me a proper perspective. Romans 8 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. No matter what we're going through, perspective is as heaven is waiting and heaven is going to be glorious. If everything in life is bad, and it's just not true most of the time. It's not true that everything is bad. I know, but, but if you're like me, when things get bad, everything's bad. I'm just like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, some people say it's a typical male thing. You know, it's like w when it's finally bad, everything's bad. And there's nothing good. Everything, right? No, it's not, usually not true. But even if it is, proper perspective says even the trials that you're going through don't compare to the glory that's waiting in Jesus. Paul, beaten, shipwrecked, you know, vipers, outcast from his own people. Um, of course, he ended up dying, you know, all of these things. All of these things happened after he accepted Christ because he accepted Christ. He suffered more than I will ever suffer in my life, I can imagine. And yet he says, listen, no matter what we're going through, does not compare to the glory that's waiting for us. He also said in 2 Corinthians, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong perspective. I don't know what kind of hardships and struggles you might be going through, and I don't want to downplay any of them, because whatever you're going through is difficult. That, that's one thing I've learned in this life. When you face a trial that you say is a trial, it's difficult for you in that moment. Sometimes I've, I've gotten out of trials, and I look back, and I'm like, why was that so difficult for me? Why was I so angry? Why was I so depressed? Why was I, why was I? But in the moment, I was. I compare it to um, crushes that little, little kids have, and I've talked to my kids about this. When you're 11 years old and you love the little girl next door or the little boy next door and they break your heart, that heartbreak is as big for, you, for that little kid as, as a heartbreak is when you're in your 20s, your 30s. At the moment, they think life is over. Now we look at that and we go, oh, it's kind of funny. But for them, it's serious. So no matter what you're going through, it's serious for you. And, and I don't want to downplay it, but no matter how big your problems are, they're not bigger or more powerful than God. He will see you through them, each and every one. And they're not more greater than the love that he has for you. Take Paul's advice and give thanks in all circumstances. There was a missionary in China. His name was Henry Frost. And he wrote this in one of his, his journals. I had received sad news from home. Deep shadows had covered my soul. I prayed, but the darkness did not vanish. I can relate. I've done it. I summoned myself to endure, but the darkness only deepened. Are you relating? Then one day I went to an inland station and saw on the wall of the mission homes these words. Try Thanksgiving. Try Thanksgiving. 
I did, and in a moment every shadow was gone, not to return. The Psalms say it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. When we begin to thank God for, for anything, it begins to lift us up out of despair and begins to build a proper perspective in life. Because what we're beginning to do is look for the blessings, look for the things, and we realize we're not alone. We realize that God has done things in our life. And, and you may actually have to write some of these things down. Write some of the blessings, write some of the good things down so that when you're feeling down, discouraged, depressed, uh, like nobody loves you, everybody hates you, instead of eating some worms and dying, go back to the list and say, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. And he begins to lift you up. And sometimes that, I believe that is the power to be lifted out. Try thanksgiving. How he's worked in your life for the ways he's poured out blessings upon blessings onto you. If you've been blessed financially, as you give thanks for it, give generously to those people who need it. If you've been blessed with time, but not money, Give your time to bless others. Give out of thanksgiving. Give to others. Maybe, maybe you've been blessed with, with, with really good health. Well, you can do what Mickey and James did over this last week. You can come and chop up wood and deliver it to widows. If you're strong enough to do those things, then you can bless others with your health. If you, if you tend to just be a good listener, you can bless somebody by listening to them. Be a blessing. Philippians 4 says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. God, I thank you. I want my life to be a life of thanksgiving and gratitude. I want to cultivate proper perspective in my life so that I can really begin to be more and more thankful and grateful for all the things that he's blessed me with. Let's pray. God, I know that all of us in here at times are, are super grateful. God, there's, there's people in here who've learned this as a, as, a, as a young person to be grateful, God, and I thank you that you've showed that this wonderful message and worked that in their lives, but there's others of us in here who need to work it up and to learn to be thankful. We need to read the words to give thanks in all circumstances over and over again. To count our many blessings, name them one by one. God, I pray that you would help us to cultivate that gratitude and life of thanksgiving in our life. God, that as we would practice that, I do believe that we will come out of our, our circumstances. We'll sometimes come out of our depression and our discouragement, Lord. Help us today to not just be thankful once a year, but to be thankful all year for your blessings. Be grateful 
to our friends and family and to people who love us and serve us and help us to be able to show our, our thankfulness not just to you but also to, to physical people who are around us to be grateful for all of our blessings God as we are going into this Christmas season and pointing towards the new year we pray that this would be the beginning happening in our lives so by 2019 we could maybe have a different year of a thankful heart all year long Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.